Good morning. I'm going to start us off in prayer this morning. You might see all these stones up here, and there is a reason for the fact that your name is on a stone. Just wait until after the sermon to stone me, okay? All right? Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We just ask, God, that you would move in this room, move through the people listening. Lord, just that you would change our hearts. Help us to be understanding of what you've done this last year. Help us to see those moments that we can memorialize. Use me as an empty vessel just to share some ways that we can do that this year as we go through the year. God, as we look at Joshua and the people of Israel entering the promised land, help us to understand if we are a follower of Jesus Christ, we are in the promised land. And that we will spend eternity with our Savior. God, help us to see what your word says here and to apply it to our lives. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church. And I'd like to welcome you here to our service this morning. It's a new year, right? We didn't have a white Christmas, but we kind of had a white new year. So that was kind of, I guess that's okay. You know, I, and today we're actually going to be looking at something in the Old Testament. We went from Christmas, so we spent a lot of time in the New Testament. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 4 in the Old Testament today. And if you have our app at the top, it's the link at the top of the feed. You can, you can click that and you can go right to the Bible app and it'll have the notes from today. Today we're going to talk about 12 stones. And I, I think what's interesting about life is we memorialize things after they've passed. Not in the present, but usually in the past. So we memorialize the dead. We memorialize lifetime achievement. You know, every, every award show has someone that comes up for a lifetime achievement award. And if they achieve something after that lifetime achievement, it's kind of odd, right? We're all like, well, they're already over the hill. They, you know, now they've got the lifetime achievement award. But we don't memorialize in the moment. We do memorialize to remember things. But soon after, I found this is very true, soon after, people forget. People forget what's happened. When God does something in your life, you remember. But how long does it last? I read recently our attention span is eight seconds. Let me give you some comparison. A goldfish has the attention span of nine seconds. Just throwing that out there, okay? So we forget things really quickly, or we move on to the next thought, the next idea. As I'm talking, you're moving thoughts through your head. And so after a memorial, we forget soon what it was for or who it was for. If I don't stay constantly focused on reminding myself of God's character and his forgiveness, I'm going to get lost in all that and not be able to memorialize what God has done in my life. So let's think about this in terms of our vices, things that we struggle with. So my vices... Here's a few of my vices. Anxiety. So when I'm anxious, what I do is I internalize the wounds or the things that are said to me, and I don't take those to God at all. Because Philippians 4 says if we take our anxiety to God, if we pray, then with all thankfulness, he'll produce peace in our life. So I forget to do that. So I'm anxious. Or doubt. We start believing that God is not who he says he is because other people in our lives have not been who they said they were. And so we have doubt creep into our lives. Or maybe depression, because I start thinking of my needs and wants, that person wronged me, and then I don't think about anyone else that maybe needs help, or thinking of others first. 
But once I'm reminded of something, and this is what's important about memorials, once I'm reminded that I am loved, and that love is unconditional, most love that you're going to have in this life is very conditional. You know, there's, there's many things that can happen. You, people get disowned. People get estranged. Relationships break up. But I think that if we remember that God unconditionally loves us, we can get through that. So we cast our anxiety on him. We have faith in his faithfulness. And we think of others first. So I'm going to use a term here, and I'm, going to, I'm just making up this definition here, kind of. It's, it's just spiritual dementia. We go and do something, and we completely forget that it happened. We have spiritual dementia. When we walk through our days, we forget who God is or maybe not even know who he is. If you've ever been around someone with dementia, they go to a silverware drawer, and the forks are in the spot they've always been, but the forks are not in the right spot, so they get angry because they don't remember that the forks always go in the fork spot, okay? And that's what we do with God. We forget certain things. We don't remember who he is. The Israelites, just as an example, were enslaved 400 years, and then God sets them free, and then they have this huge worship service in Exodus chapter 15. They get all excited. They're, they're praising God, you know? They're, they're jumping for joy. And then less than three days later is when they make this statue, this golden calf, and worship it. Less than three days later, they grumble, they don't care. Three days. Personally, I think in our attention, the way we think, it's like the next day. It might be that afternoon. It might be at lunch by the time we forget. God has a reputation of taking care of his people. And as the people of God forget that he is, what he has done quickly, we're the ones that are going to struggle. They, they as a people, the Israelite people, forgot what God did, did repeatedly. And so if you turn with me to Joshua chapter 4, let's look at the people entering the promised land. They've waited hundreds of years for this promised land. And they're going to walk in and God has one request for them. One small request like the same request he has for us each and every day. We're going to start Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read that right now. It says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, and the Lord said to Joshua, Twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from every place where the priest's foot, feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you. And lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone upon his shoulder. So this is not, these. you see these small stones? We're talking like boulders. They're like up there like this. They didn't pick the, the scrawniest guy. They picked like their champion of their tribe. Put a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign to you. When your children ask in a time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Forever. After God does a miracle here, he, allow, he allows them to walk through the, the Jordan. They're walking through. 
They get to the other side and, and God says, take 12 people that signify the 12 tribes of Israel and go back and get 12 stones from the Jordan as a memorial. Take these stones to where you're living. He says, you know, you're going to take these with you to where you're going. We need to be noticing some things here. This may seem like just some Old Testament passage that God tells the people something and, and then they go and, and do what he says and, and it's like this back and forth, but there's so much more here. God is a sign giver. He doesn't just deal with, with, with commands. He's a sign giver. He allowed them to pass through the Jordan as much as he allowed them to pass over the Red Sea already. So he, he did things. He, and one author makes an excellent observation about this. Before God allows them to take one step towards the promised land, he commands them to build a visual monument to remind them of God's faithfulness for generations to come. He knows their reputation for forgetfulness, and he wants them to remember what he's done. Don't we all want that? The most frustrating thing that I've ever had happen to me is when someone says, I forget. It's frustrating, because if you tell someone something, and like five minutes later, they're like, I forget. You were never listening, right? Can you imagine what God feels when, when we respond and we're like, I, I don't remember that you saved me, God. I didn't remember what you did last week. I didn't remember the fact that you saved my life in that car accident. I didn't remember that, you know, he's a sign giver. But then, God also, God once again delivered Israel through a miracle. He delivered them from slavery just like he delivers us from slavery to sin. It's the same thing. It, it, God delivers through a miracle. And I think what's important about remembering that is a miracle is something that had to be supernatural. It's not something that naturally happens. When you have a hard heart towards someone, it's, it's really hard to make that heart, heart soft again because you become bitter. It becomes calloused. And the reality is God's the only one that can change that. He changes things. He delivers through miracles. So I also think it's important that we know that anyone can invent a tribe. You know there's this whole like sports arena of like esports right? People get paid millions of dollars to play video games. When I was a kid, it was the Nintendo, okay? If they got played to play the Nintendo, there's only so many secret things in Super Mario Brothers you can find, okay? Like, I'd be like, man, I'll take a million dollars to play Super Mario. That's easy. Now games are so complicated that they, they actually get paid to do it. There's a whole world. You can invent a tribe. They have arenas that are filled with e-games, like, it just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. But anyone can invent a tribe, but we are of God's tribe. The only tribe that sticks with you no matter what. Most tribes, most group people groups, stick with you only so far. You know, you know what's interesting? I'm going to ruin the plot of every Hallmark movie, okay? I'm going to ruin every plot. Someone rich doesn't like the other person because they're not, like, succeeding in something. And they go back home, and they get a Christmas tree farm, and then they find love with the guy from the farm. Like, it just happens, right? But my point is, at the beginning, the person from the city rejects the other person because they're not successful. They're, there's a conditional thing. God's tribe sticks with you no matter what. God's tribe is, is the one that is coming alongside you. And God's tribe is the church. 
Where has God supernaturally made a way for you to receive his promise? Where has God made a way? The promise of this eternal tribe that transcends any earthly family or organization or club or team or place you go to weekly or friends that you have. It transcends everything because God has invited you into an eternal tribe. It's not something that ends right now. It continues on forever and ever and ever and ever. From the point of your birth on this earth for all eternity. So what is Joshua's response to God? He's been invited to make this memorial. He obeys. He calls 12 men, one from each tribe. He tells them to grab the stones in the river. These are really easy stones to grab, by the way. You know, like these are nothing. Like I don't, like if I put this on my shoulder, doesn't it look funny? They, they didn't do that. They picked the biggest stones they could find and they put them on their shoulder, these boulders, these big men. And they grabbed these stones from the river where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the Ark of the Covenant symbolized the presence of God. It was the most sacred object in the Jewish world. People might argue that the the symbolism of the cross is the most sacred object in the Christian world. These stones were to be a generational memorial to the greatness of God. God was great. The deliverance of God. What God had done for the people. It was for your kids and your grandkids. Some of you don't don't have kids. Well, guess what? Nephews, nieces, cousins, friends. It's a memorial for everyone. Joshua makes it clear you will be telling the story of God, supernaturally providing for generations. How long is this memorial going to be there? What was the last word of that seventh verse? Forever. God doesn't do things halfway. Forever. Forever. How long? Forever. God is aware of our forgetfulness. And I am thankful for that. I am so thankful that God remembers that I forget things. (laughs) Aaron laughed because I do forget things. Good job. (laughs) I forget things. But I am so glad God knows that because he reminds me. You ever lose your keys? You ever lose a kid? That's even crazier. It's happened. We forget things. And you know what I find in those moments where you're panicked? It's I close my eyes and I go, God, where, where are the keys? Where's the kid? What's going on? And then I find it right away. I'm not saying it works every time, but I'm saying it works most time. It's because we, we tend to forget things. If we're not constantly reminding ourselves and our children, our grandchildren, our friends and people in general of who he is and what he has done, we are going to forget. I, I feel drained. Even if, like, even if I'm, I'm not preaching, before I was a pastor, if I wasn't at church, I felt drained. And I, I think there's something special about us coming together and gathering together as a group of believers and hearing about the word of God and being in community together that just can't be quantified in natural understanding. It's supernatural when we come together because we're going to forget. We're going to forget what God did last week. Some of you are coming in today and you've had a rough couple weeks. Some of you are coming in and you've had the best couple weeks of your life. But we all come together to worship Jesus Christ. 
How have you seen God move through you this last year? This last few years? What has God done in your life this last year, this last few years? Maybe since birth. If I were to give specific dates, I remember sitting in a green, ugly chair at six years old and praying a prayer that I didn't really fully understand at six years old, that I wanted Jesus Christ to change my life. But you know what happened? My life just like floated away to rebellion until about 17. And then God literally picked up the pieces of my broken life and and fixed a lot of them, put them back together. And then God does it again, and he does it again, and then your life, again, something hits, something hits that's hard, and God does something again. How are you passing that along to the next generation? What do, you, what do you talk to your kids about? What do you talk to your friends about? What comes out of your mouth? Is it only the next TV show? I'm not going to spoil anything, guys. Is it the next movie? Is that all we're talking about? What are we talking about? What, how are we passing it on to the next generation? If this question was asked of the church here, I can think through the time that I've spent here, and we went from a church that really wasn't out in the community much to a church that's out in the community enough that right before Christmas, we were in the paper because of something we did in the community, which to me was like a shock. But it's a huge transition to the point where now if I tell people where I'm from, like, hey, you know, I'm one of the pastors at Sunlight Community Church. People go, oh, that's the church that's always downtown for Christmas. Man, we love doing the wagon rides. Oh, we love it when Santa Claus comes. Oh, we... And that the conversation, I don't even have to talk. Because they're saying that. So we went from one thing to another. We, we went to Christmas being a time where we're focused on us to I've seen people sacrificially give to others. We help people that don't have a home. We, we've done things to do things that, that, that God has able to allow us to do. We were able to bless people without a home. We were able to bless mothers that needed help. We were able to feed college students around Thanksgiving. That was pretty awesome. That was exciting. I always love going to Thanksgiving because like, the students are like just, you know, if you've been in college, it's like they're eating like savages. Like they just like, they pile it in one big pile I mean, I haven't ate like that in years. Like, they just, oh, they loved it. We're, be, we're able to be kind to people that need a Savior. We've been living with purpose. If you go back to the beginning of the year, we paid off over one-fourth of our mortgage of what was left. We've done things. We've made sacrifices. And if I sat here and I interviewed each one of you for five minutes, just five minutes this morning, I am sure that I would hear more of what God's doing. I can't memorialize your life for you, but I can tell you the principles in God's word and give you opportunity to work those out. So we're going to continue. We're actually going to read a little bit later, further down in Joshua. We're going to go to Joshua, uh, Joshua 4, verse 20, just further down in the chapter. The middle part's really enjoyable, but if I read all of it, we'd be here forever. So I'm going to, I'm going to read the end part here. Verses 20... Through 24. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your ch- children ask their fathers in times to come, what do those stones mean? You shall let your children know. Pause. Think. What are you going to let your children know about God's exploits, what he's done in the world? What are you going to let them know? 
Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until it passed, you passed over. As the Lord your God did in the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God. How long? You can say it. What's the last word? Forever. Forever. That's a really long time. So the people set up these stones in Gilgal. And the fathers are supposed to teach their kids what God has done. Verse 23 makes it very clear. This is just like the Red Sea crossing. It's the same thing. This memorial is a memorial to the multiple times that God has delivered his people. He delivered them from slavery to freedom. As he delivers us from slavery to sin to freedom in Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. God has delivered you and is delivering you from slavery to promise, from slavery to freedom. He provided for them out of his great kindness. He provides for us out of his great kindness. It's a testimony of how God provides for the entire world. We, we are so easily forget, forget that because his grace was enough for their forgetfulness. And his grace is enough for our forgetfulness. It's easy to forget. You know, sometimes something happens and it's unexpected. And my first response is to be frustrated or angry because it didn't happen the way I wanted it to. But in reality, in that moment, what I'm doing is I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting no matter what happened, that God has already provided for me in a way that is greater than the situation that's happened. I mean, I'm not talking about like the loss of a child. I'm just talking about petty things. Like someone putting something and you can't, away and you can't find it. Like you're like, why do you put my stuff away? I can't find it anymore. How many people have done that? Come on, let's be honest. Family members, spouses, whoever's cleaning usually puts the stuff away and you can't find it. God's grace was enough for our forgetfulness. It is enough for our forgetfulness. So what was the purpose of this memorial? What does it say at the end there? So that the people of earth know that God is mighty and they would fear him forever. People want to know the good news in our lives. They want to know how God has moved and is moving through your life. Always. I've had so many people say something to me like, well, that's great. I understand that you just quoted me a verse, but really, what's God doing in your life? Because I don't care about that yet. And you sit there and you're like, oh, okay, all right. Sometimes that's a little harder because we forget to memorialize. So God has called his tribe to share of his exploits. You know what an exploit is? We've heard that as like a negative term, but it, it means a notable or heroic act. It doesn't, if that doesn't describe what God has done, is doing, and will do, I don't know what does. Deuteronomy 6 talks about teaching your children constantly by living a living memorial of God's faithfulness. If you, if you even go further, you would think, if we don't do something, what's the alternative? If we don't memorialize, if we aren't a constant living memorial, what is going to happen? 
One author put it this way. We start forgetting the faithfulness of God even in the small things. And when we do that, it will lead to a life of fear, anxiety, arrogance, and sin. When we start forgetting God in the small things, we're not going to remember him in the big things. We're not going to remember his faithfulness to us. When we're having a rough day, because every situation seems to not be going our way, the thing that I keep thinking is that if I forgot God's faithfulness yesterday, today, tomorrow, and for all eternity, is that what I forgot? Because I don't always think that the situations that happen around us, it's really the situation that's the problem. I think it's our reaction to the situation. And so Joshua here decides that he's going to set out a memorial. Like, he could have been like, peace, we're in the promised land. God, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to have this memorial forever? But instead, what he does is he sends these 12 men back into the Jordan where they've already crossed. They take up the stones. They make this memorial. And the memorial is forever. So what memorials do you have of God's character, his mercy, his grace, his provision, his power, his deliverance, his healing, his love? What, what memorials do you have? Are there memorials in your home? Are there memorials in your car? Are there memorials at your job? Are there memorials at your school? Do people see those things are valued by you? So practically speaking, some questions, some ideas for memorials of God's character that we can do in our homes, apartments, dorm rooms. It could be anywhere. And so I've gotten these ideas from many different sources because I've really been challenged myself personally. What am I casting to the next generation? What am I casting the person younger than me? I've realized that our culture does not value age. It values youth. I don't think you can argue against that. And so basically, I'm an old man. And those of you, you might laugh a little bit because you're older than me. But I'm an old man already. To a teenager, I'm old. I'm like looking around, I'm like, I'm not old. I'm not even middle-aged, hopefully. <laughs> but we don't memorialize things until we're old. And I think we need to memorialize things now, no matter what your age is. But all of these ideas here are memorials for generations. So if we need a reminder, and we all do, this is for you. So it doesn't matter who you are, what age you are. The rock you got when you came in and are stacked on the stage, there's a bunch of different rocks. So I see, I'm not going to call anyone's name out, okay? I said I wasn't going to do that. I do think I need to call out this one because whoever put this one up here, and you know who you are, why are you trying to be center stage? It's okay. It's okay. Those rocks are a reminder of God's faithfulness this last year. They are a reminder of God's faithfulness to you. The, the rock that you see on stage is something that you're going to take home. And some of you are like, I don't need a rock. Well, I'm telling you right now, you're lucky I didn't get my way because you would have had a boulder, okay? All right? Because this rock is an opportunity for you to put someplace and remember God's faithfulness to you this last year. You may come out of 2019, and I saw a lot of this on social media, like, 
I'm ringing in 2020 because I got to get past 2019. Even if that's your attitude, God is still faithful because you're still breathing. Okay? It doesn't matter what happened. You're still here. You're here this morning. So put it somewhere in your house, your car. Not recommending the car probably because if you stop quick, you know. Put it somewhere in your house to remind you of God's faithfulness. Some of you wrote your name on here and you had someone bring it up or whatever. Come up here, look for your rock. That's part of what's going on. You're going to see how many names are up here. How many different people God's been faithful to this year. That you're here. So I'm going to give you some opportunities for a memorial. So this is honestly the most beneficial part of this sermon, I think. Because I've been personally challenged to find ways that are practical for everyone. No matter how busy, how tired, how, how, what our family life is like, what our, our, our relatives are like. So here's some things. One is a vase. You could buy a vase. And when you buy a vase each day of the year or, or each week, the people living with you could write how you saw God move that day or week. And you write it down on a piece of paper, you fold it, you stick it in the vase. Doesn't matter how small or how large, no rules. It might be, in my kid's case, thank God for everything. That's what they say sometimes. That's fine. No rules. You put it somewhere in your house and you are remembered of God's faithfulness at the end of the year because you're going to pull those out and you're going to see what God's done over the year. It might produce some laughs. There might be some laughs like, why did someone write that down? You know, it might be some tears, but most of all, there's going to be some joy to realize what has actually happened. You know, my kids already forgot my sabbatical. They didn't even know I was on sabbatical. Like, I literally talked to them the other day, and they had no idea. I was on sabbatical all summer, but they forgot things. I'm like, do you remember we did this? Do you remember we drove here? Do you They're like, oh, yeah. That's what this vase is for everything. It's just looking at what God has done. And so another, another opportunity is a photo wall. As you invite people into your home, take a picture each time. Take a Polaroid or, or print out pictures Put it in a wall in your house. You live with purpose. Because you can see when you give your home by sharing a meal with others how God redeems the world. When people come into your house, they're going to see this photo wall and they're going to be like, what is going on with these people? And you're going to say, these are all the people that visited this last year. We had all these people in our home. You know, if you have kids, they might think it's weird. Who cares? When their friends come over, take pictures of them. They like selfies. Why not take a picture for your photo wall? You know, just have an opportunity. So that's an opportunity to see what God has done. You, and you know what? It also helps with our memory. As I'm getting older, I'm realizing I don't even remember what happened in like March or February right now. You know, I was reminded of something yesterday. I'm like, oh, I thought that was last year. I have no idea. Set an empty plate at the table for dinner. This reminds us that people go hungry every day. We have an opportunity to help the poor and the vulnerable and that God has given us an opportunity to be a blessing to others because we've been blessed by him. Part of that blessing is being able to give sacrificially. This last Christmas, if you didn't get the opportunity to be at the theater when we gave away gifts to Turning Point residents, it was amazing. You know, I was talking with my wife, 
And she saw a kid open a gift, and it was just a book, probably like five bucks. I don't know. It didn't cost much. It's just a book. He opens this book. He said, this is what I've always wanted. The kid was like 10 years old. That was his gift. That's what he wanted. There's so much more joy from giving stuff away than from receiving. And we forget that. That empty plate, it's an opportunity. Set, that, set aside one day of the week that you do that, and you talk about that with the people you're around in your dorm room, your family, your relatives. Now, this last one, I don't want to get too romantic on, okay? But a candlelit dinner is really good, too. A candlelit dinner, you take all the technology out of the room, no screens, no phones, just have dinner with candles. It helps us do a few things. It helps us rest and remember who Jesus is. I think we've got an epidemic. We can't Sabbath. The God of the universe created for six days, rested for one day, and we think we can work seven days a week. That's a problem. And when we say we're Sabbathing, that doesn't mean a day off. That literally means you're resting. It's not just watching TV. It's spending time with your family, finding things that, that God has given you to, to find joy and worship him. This dinner, having a candle at dinner, it slows us down so we can have meaningful conversations. That, the art of the conversation has gone out the back window with the, the advent of cell phones and texting and email. And I can't remember the last time I had a handwritten letter. Yet, for years, that was the main form of communication with someone from distance. And it was heartfelt. It took time. It took thoughtfulness. You had to think through. And now we're just crowded by this. This reminds us, having a candle to dinner reminds us that resting in Jesus and enjoying those around us is more important than work or social media. We don't, we don't remember that there was a day before Facebook. There was a day before Instagram. There was a day before Twitter. There was a day before apps. I know. There used to be these floppy disks. If you don't know what those are, you're younger than me. Floppy disks. Don't let your family, your friends, the people you spend time with have spiritual dementia. Be a part of the solution, the memorial that you set out in your home, in your heart, for that. When you walk into someone's home, you can tell pretty quickly where they stand on a lot of things. You see things on the wall. Most homes I walk into have some semblance of Hobby Lobby, you know, somewhere. But you realize what they value. You know, in the past, I've had people walk into places I've lived when I was a bachelor, and I had a verse up on the wall. And remember the person walking in and being like, You're a Christian? And I took it, I could have taken it pretty negatively, like, you don't know that? My actions don't show that? But I took it as like, okay, this is an opportunity to have a conversation. Yeah, I am, and, and this is what I believe. 
these are opportunities, memorials. Like someone's going to see a vase. Maybe you buy a big clear vase so you can see all the things that are filling up in there that you're writing and putting in there about God's faithfulness. And as you write and put those things in there, someone walks into your house and they see it and they go, what is that vase? What are you doing? That's the, that's the tackiest decoration. Come on. Guess what? That is a conversation that you get to start about God. That's awesome. Buy an empty vase. Take some pictures. Get some extra plates. Maybe you get a plate. There's a tradition. There's this plate. It's a red plate and it says, I am special. I know it sounds kind of funny. You can buy them, but people use them as like birthday plates. So like if it's your birthday, you get the special red plate, right? So what if you had this special red plate at your table? And you know that 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 plate symbolizes the fact that you need to help the poor and vulnerable. And so your family in your mind goes, okay, if there's someone poor or vulnerable that I need to help, I need to be thinking about that right now. Light a candle. Stack some rocks. If you're a family my size, you have to find a special spot. We're going to have six rocks somewhere. They're going to be sitting there and remind us of what God has done. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to take the time to remember the God of the universe whom you serve. Remember what he has done. The Old Testament has a word in Hebrew, zakar. It means to remember. It's the word used and translated worship because we are to remember what God has done so that we can look at the future and realize no matter what we face, God has continued to be faithful to us and he will not be faithless even when we struggle. We need to remember. So what? what what's the big deal about all this? John, why are you talking about Joshua chapter 4? Why, why all the stones up on the stage? Which I know some of your faces as you walked in were like, why am I writing on a stone? Why do I have to go in the front? Can someone else do that for me? Because I don't like going up front. That's okay. The purpose was not to come up front. The purpose was to write on a rock and realize that this is a testament to the faithfulness of God of last year, both for our church, but each of us as the church. God has invited us into an eternal tribe and called us to share of his exploits. When you leave here today, you have an opportunity to sit with whoever you're at lunch with and say, man, I listened to that sermon. That was, whoa. This is what God's done this last year. This is how God's changed my life. Or you can say, I feel really like numb right now. I don't know where God is at. But guess what? If you're feeling that second thing, at least you said it to someone else that's going to pray for you. It doesn't matter where you're at. As long as we're, we're, we're sharing of what God's done. Because he's invited us into an eternal tribe. I'm going to pray. But during this last song, as we're singing... Maybe you want to come get your rock. You can come get your rock. You can get it after service. But make sure you take the rocks because I'm not keeping them in the office, okay? All right? 
I don't want to see any rocks on stage. If you have kids, your kids had rocks, names written on them. Get these rocks. Place them somewhere in your house. Don't hide them in a closet. Put them somewhere. And maybe, just maybe, this is the start of a memorial to God's faithfulness. So when people walk in, they go, why are those round rocks sitting over there? Or why are they on your coffee table? What, what is going on? This is an opportunity to be vocal about God's faithfulness. You don't have to start a conversation. You just have to memorialize what God's done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we, we come before you and we know you've done amazing things this last year. God, you have provided for the church. You provided for people's individual needs, family needs. You provided for the church as a whole financially. God, you are working and moving through us in ways that we have never seen before. God, as, as we look to this next year, God, help us to day by day, moment by moment, put memorials in our homes, in our spaces, that by your grace, we can see your faithfulness. God, help us not to be forgetful. I think, I think this memorial that we are, we are gonna make together in different spaces, that, that that would be that opportunity to remember and remember and remember and worship and worship and worship. That this would be the year that Sunlight Community Church focuses entirely on worshiping and remembering the exploits of what God has done, the heroic acts, the greatness of who he is. And that we would not forget that God is moving through us as a church. God, use us. Help us to not forget. We say all this in Jesus' name.